0: Welcome to another super exciting episode of Critical Thinking Podcast.
1: I'm your host Rick the Rizzo, along with my co-host the Mig One, and this is a critical look at all things TV, movies, gaming, upcoming creators, and whatever the hell we free like talking about. So buckle up and grab the old poop bar and enjoy the ride. Did you just say poop? Ojo por ojo, sangre por sangre. <laughs> Welcome to episode one hundred and sixty-five. It's man v man here at this podcast. Either me or Rick Lopez, the Uber driver, gonna lose an eye. Damn, it's one sixty-five. That's right. I'm Rey Mysterio. No, no, you can be Rey Mysterio. I'll be Seth Rollins. Cause Seth <laughs> <diff> one, <laughs> you gonna, I'm gonna take the eye, and the guts fall out like that. Do the head and ass move. <laughs> All right, Blue oh. Street. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Mr. Lopez, how was your weekend?
0: Well, you know, you you should know how my week was last week. You're, I was here all week.
1: Yeah, your week was uh, me watching you. <sighs> Tell you, how does it feel when you know I'm watching you sleep? I'm not standing over you, but I am watching you. <laughs> I, I get. always feel like <laughs> somebody's watching me.
0: There are times where I'm you.
1: Yeah, why are you watching me for, bro? I keep on seeing you turning your head back and I'm looking at you like... What? I got a parrot on me or something? What the hell? Somebody shit on me? What's uh, happening here? Uh,
0: there was time I turned around and you were...
1: The devil looking at me? I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you behind me or something? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, you never
0: know around here now.
1: That's true. Well, you know, it is what it is.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, now I'm back to work now and everything. So, my, my day at work was kind of...
1: Well, yeah, let me cut you some slack. People need to understand, first of all, here last week in Texas, it was about 165 degrees in the shade. Yeah. Rick has an air conditioning in the unit in the wall and a fan. We had to turn the lights off to keep it cool in here.
0: Today lights are on. It's cool in the room. It's yeah, cloudy outside. But there was only one
1: fat Mexican in here today. That was me. Now there's two. <laughs> <laughs> Stop taking all the air, Aaron. I ain't taking all the air. You're done fucked up, Aaron. <laughs>
0: But, uh, like, anyways, like, I went back to work. Of course, I was busy all at work today. I wasn't able to send everything I needed to send out because they have me on my normal floors. Because, you know, they have me going downstairs working in the mailroom, And because upstairs they're all working from home. But when I'm up, you know, my job upstairs, uh, my boss that I report to, she sends me notes saying, hey, can you pack up this person's stuff and mail it to their house and so forth because they're working from home. Yeah. And I had to do three offices today. So, well, the, it's not as hard as you think. One, uh, the first one was uh, two monitors and his docking station I had to mail it to him. The only problem is it's just me trying to find shit yeah. to pack it in so I can send it out. Uh, that was out on the second one, which I had sent her a note saying, Hey, I had to get back to you on it because his, note, his stuff was get the paperwork off his desk, all the stuff that's pinned up against the wall, and mail it to... Mail it to him. He's a he lives over in Nashu Bay or whatever. Nah.
1: Okay, that's over there. That's over there, uh, Kima.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. So and I'm your
1: fucking asking the office to get your shit.
0: And so I was all like, I was like, okay. I said I'll uh, go pack yourself. And that I, I walked to his cubicle, right? Mm-hmm. And I get over there, and I said, well, the the, the stuff on the on the the stuff on that is pinned on the wall. That's easy. But I'm all like, as for paperwork on the desk, which paperwork you want me to send? Because mm-hmm. this motherfucker had on one side piles of files and i was all like uh all this shit here or all this shit over here so i was all like i'm gonna have to come back to this desk i wasn't prepared for for this right right. when i walked over there i I had my cart but i had stuff on it but i wasn't prepared like okay i can't have a lot of loose shit on this on this cart because it's gonna fly everywhere then i go to the next one which wasn't hard Mm -hmm. but the descriptions threw me off I go in the office, she just needs her docking station, which that was easy. It's already packed up. I grabbed mm-hmm. that, but I put it back because she says she also needs the files that are in the blue and yellow folders that, that are to the right of the phone. So I was like, okay, I look, there's the phone. I look to the right. There's nothing there, but if you go a little bit further right, mm-hmm. there's some shelving and there's some folders. Okay. I see blue and green. Mm-hmm. I see no yellow. And I was all like, I'm going to come back to this one because... Uh, I got an
1: answer for that. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I wasn't able to get those two desks, but I got the other one, and then I had some files at my desk I'd have to research and send some stuff out to and all that mess too. But, so I might have a pretty
1: busy week this week for once.
0: So they don't allow people to come
1: in, maybe one person at a time, or you schedule a situation where you come in and get your own shit?
0: I have no idea why. I, most of them, they just, just work from home.
1: Because we're able to go get our own shit. Ain't nobody mailing shit to me.
0: Do y'all have a mail room and all that stuff? Yeah.
1: Ain't nobody mailing shit to me. I drove my happy ass hour to my office to get my shit and drove home. And you see me bring my phone and all my shit with me too. Ain't shit getting mailed to me. The fuck. Fucking lazy motherfuckers. Get off your ass and get your shit. Anyway, But anyways. So I was weekend. Weekend was good. Before you went to work. Weekend was good. Get laid. Twice. Well shit. You gonna go blind in both eyes. Yeah, the stranger and the familiar, huh? Goddamn. <laughs> Wait a minute, I slept in that fucking bed today. See? No, I accidentally sleep. You can see where my ass print's at. I was sitting down playing Godzilla. <laughs> I sat on your side. Is that safe? Mm. Do I want to bring a black light in here? No. Okay, I'm getting scared. I'm getting scared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, no, but... uh. Yeah, weekend was good. Sunday was pretty much a lazy day. Didn't do much. Okay. Uh, today that we that the, This is Monday that we're recording. You know, because this comes out on Thursday. Yeah. Um, today is my parents' anniversary.
1: I didn't even fucking know.
0: It's their 46th anniversary.
1: Damn, I'm such a great nephew. Yes, you are. Remind me to go tell them happy anniversary.
0: Uh, yeah, they're, we're having a... Turkey dinner over there today.
1: Nice, okay. Yeah, that's on my side. I guess I'll call your dad, and your mom over here a little before I leave. Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh yeah, we're having a that, this their anniversary, forty six. I'm going like happily forty six. You know, wedding anniversary for my parents.
1: Interesting you say that. They're going to be forty six years married. I turned, <laughs> god damn, I turned forty fucking nine here in another two weeks. Yeah. And then a couple months later, my mom celebrate my mom and dad celebrate their fiftieth anniversary.
0: Wow. They got a milestone.
1: Yeah. ain't killed each other yet. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> or me, god damn it. <laughs> 48 years, 49 years, they ain't drowned me yet. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all don't I ain't got shit on me, bro. It's
0: like, damn, you're almost at the, at the peak.
1: What peak? You
0: know, going over the hill. No, no, nah, like- nah,
1: bro. Nah, no, no, no. My peak's 70, bro. I'm living, <laughs> to, one, I'm living to 140, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I got that body like the true showtime. You see me, I'm in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the day i said hey man you looking kind of fat hey man you looking fat but i've been in the gym <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh did visit kyle he was doing good you know and everything like that other than that that's about it now so i bought two movies which we're going to give you all the movie review for the one we saw which let's just say it's, it's the outpost uh-huh. that's what the name of the movie is it's a military movie uh miguel watched it I watched it. I enjoyed the movie. It's very... Miguel says it's very powerful. Uh, But anyway, we'll get on that. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. It's going to be a good... is going to be a good review because... Honestly, there was a lot of good things. Yeah, I can tell head.
1: you, the movie's not going to get a shitty rating here. It's going to get a good rating. I can already tell you that right now. Yeah. Uh, but we'll go into why. Yeah. Uh, other than that, like I said, that's, that's been mine. How's been yours, sir? Well, my weekend was rough. You know, I'm still on call. I'm on call tonight, and that's it. And then I get the thing away and go to somebody else. Weekend was okay. You know, uh, grandson was with me for a little bit on Saturday and you know, you know, whatnot what here and there. You know, and then he went to go see his other grandmother. And so I haven't had him all weekend. So that's, that's you know, it's been kind of quiet a little bit, a little... You know, a little boring, let to say. Daughter's been hanging out with her her people, and so it's just been me, the wife, and Braden. And uh, so the wife got into the honeydew mode. Aha! Uh-huh. So, but I already know that it's come to the to pretty much to me and everybody. My wife and me both realization that the grass does need to be cut at least once a week. If you wait two weeks, you're going to have to die trying to cut that shit. She gets, the grass, for some reason, is growing like it's on on crack.
0: And considering it rained,
1: yeah. But like, you see, you would think with all the heat and everything else, that sun gum would grow. But it's growing; it grows quick and thick. So it's like, shit, i got to cut this grass. Well, my yard's not too bad. The front yard that you can get through, you power through it, you'll be okay. You know, you drink your water, you're good. You do it in the morning. Backyard is covered under trees, so it's good. You know, you, you can survive. You cut my daughter's yard. As you remember, that's my old folks' yard. That ditch that front yard will kill you. I mean, the front yard's not too bad, but that ditch is rough. Then you work on the side house and the grass is like thick. Because I remember my grandfather drew, threw a lot of seed down there, so that shit is thick. Okay, then you go to the ditch. That right there is where you go die. That's where Mexicans and lawnmowers go to die (laughs) if you got a push mower. Okay, and then you got the backyard. Okay, so you ain't even done yet. So, but that's all uncovered. The back, the side, the 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 side, the front, the front ditch, and the big ditch are all uncovered. So everything is wide open. So the sun just blasts on you, and it will just kill you. Now, as a young man, I cut both yards, not a problem. Take me a couple hours. Good old-fashioned push mower, okay? As an older man, I could still cut the yard. It'd take me a little bit longer, maybe even sometimes a day and a half, because I'd start later in the afternoon when it would be so damn hot and finish the next day. So, my daughter bought a push, a self, uh... These are self-propelled, okay? Yeah, no. I Now, keep in mind, most self-propelled only have two-wheel drive, right? My daughter bought one as a four-wheel drive. So did my wife. Same damn lawnmower. You hold it here like that and it goes... And, you know, the normal person doesn't squeeze very hard. So it has enough where it's going and it's pulling you along. You know, you're going at a good pace. But if you grab the little handle here and you do like this, that shit takes off like it's off to the races and you're literally running behind the lawnmower. So you really don't, you really kind of only use that a little bit when you're in the ditch and you're about dying. Or, but, you know, but the grass is so thick. And I mulch my yard so the little lid's down. So it takes me a little bit longer. I got to go slower so it doesn't choke the lawnmower. Even though the lawnmower is a 160-something cc lawnmower engine. It's a big engine. But uh, it still hell. But I, I told my wife when we were cutting it yesterday. I was like, you know what? I realize now, what I come to realization is, is that I'm out of shape. I'm out of shape bad, and the fact that I'm pushing or walking behind a self fucking propelled lawnmower, and I'm cutting this yard, and we were out there at nine o'clock in the morning, and by ten something the sun was killing. You know it was, and I was dying. And I couldn't go anymore. And I was hurting because I might... Well, first of all, if you look at my knee, you can tell my knee's fucked up right now. I don't know what I did. I was gasping for air and I was hurting. And I realized that watching Brayden and my wife finish the yard and me come back to help them again, that one, I need to get back in shape because I'm way too fucking heavy. And it's starting to really pay on me. Yeah, I know you're looking at the drinks that I have beside me. This is... I'm shutting it down closely to having only one per day. Uh, And then pretty soon I'm going to take it one every other day. And then from there I'm going to try to eventually... I mean, because before I've done it, where I've gone off of soda. And I lost, like, 20 pounds, like, within a week because soda, ads. you know, for me, it's bad. Uh, so, I'm trying to cut it down. This morning, I had a unsweet tea. My coffee here, black, and I was drinking water before I got And I drank a lot of water the other day. So, I'm working on it. So, I realized I need to lose shape. And then I need to... You
0: need to lose shape?
1: I need to lose this round fucking shape. I need to get back into shape because, number one, I want to be around for my grandson, man. I understand. So, yeah. So, that's one thing. And so, that was my weekend. We worked the yard and then now I'm podcasting with you. So, I'm back to work here again. And... Uh, I just contacted the great Steve Orlando, and he emailed me the comic thing for us to review so we can read and be ready for him on Monday. All right, so cool. So we're good to go for him Monday. And then the following Monday, we have young lady from the UK. No, no, no. We pushed that to the following Monday, the UK. So we have two guests lined up for you in a three-week span. Right. Uh, one, a very successful artist, comic book writer, well, he's a writer, and the other one, a successful comedian uh, show in the UK.
0: One, a great friend of Miguel. Steve yeah, Orlando. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, Steve is a good friend of mine. Uh, If he needed my kidney, I'd give it to him. I don't know if I'm a match, but you know he's a good guy. Uh, We both started off. I started podcasting. He started off in the comic book industry as a newbie. As I started as a newbie as a comic uh, doing a podcast, and we hit it off. Uh, We've been friends since, and I love the guy. He is a he's an amazing person. He is one hell of a writer, but he is a great man, and I respect him for everything. He is totally awesome. And if you ever read his book, Virgil. about a gay officer and another man who are in love, you know, they, you know, forbidden love, and they're trying to get off the island. It is a great book. I own mo- almost everything Steve publishes. Uh, He's signed pretty much almost everything I have. I have to get the rest of stuff to get him to sign. Uh, but that was a number one bestseller. Uh, it got it was it did well. It was like a number one, and I forgot what it was and what category or whatever. But Steve is is gold. He's been writing Wonder Woman ba- uh, DC stuff and Marvel now Image and yeah, and so I, I'm excited for his new book. Uh, but, yeah, he is a good friend and a good person and one hell of a guy. And if you ever get a chance to meet him or talk to him, anybody else other than the show or physically or personally, uh, you'll see what I'm talking about, how he's creme de la creme. Uh, he is uh, a avid wrestling fan, too. He is a hardcore He-Man guy. He is a hardcore G.I. Joe guy. He is an 80s guy, okay? He is all about Van Damme. <laughs> Trust me, when you get him on the show, I'll get him talking about anything stupid. He likes Johnny Cage, though. <laughs> from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and I wish Braden was here with us because that's Braden's favorite character on Mortal Kombat, Johnny Cage. Yeah. So yeah, so I can't wait to have him on. It's been a while since we I've got to talk to him on the show. Uh so it's gonna be great and I'm excited. Uh you'll see a little hero worship on my end when I talk to him. I'm working on getting our our, our friend, uh, who we just made not too long ago. Uh and I always say the show wrong. Say it for me. Nice. Yes. So I'm hoping uh where she's working and she's trying to get it down with her people. And we should know something uh, hopefully pretty soon. Uh, AMC should be getting back to us at Jamie O'Brien, uh, and you know we'll be working to get another guy in there. So we have got a lot of interviews coming. So we really got to get our shit going, get everything you know up and rolling, so we can like, you know, be out there.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about losing weight. Yeah. I don't know because we see each other every day, and I never noticed. Huh. Uh, my mom said I've been losing weight. I still look round. Did you she, give it to me, bro? I think so.
1: You fucking bastard No <laughs> well, you know what No I guess because we do See each other so often We don't really know But maybe we need to like uh, I don't know Maybe we need to Hit the road or something Before we podcast Like if you get here At 6 o'clock Maybe we should go For a fucking walk For about an hour And then come back And podcast
0: Well every time uh, In the morning Sometimes when before you show up I uh-huh. go
1: I go. Oh, you walk took Okay okay Well fuck it We make two walks then
0: you know, cause I like in the morning, when, especially when when it's mm-hmm. off, it's too fucking hot. Oh yeah, hot I know it's fucking hot, man. So I'll go outside and I'll go fucking walk every fucking. Man, where. I'm off from
1: my house. Your house to my car. I'm already drenched. You know. So yeah. fuck yeah. Texas. <laughs> not really. I love Texas. Yeah. But yeah. So that was my weekend. That was a little trolling. What we got coming up. That's Rick talking to us, being fat asses. <laughs> now before I don't have any entertainment news.
0: I, I was too busy at work to do any research or anything. Uh, but we'll go ahead and uh, let's do a little brief, not on the Outpost yet. Okay. Let's get your little review on
1: last night's WWE pay-per-view. Bruh. Okay, first of all, I was watching. Then I wasn't watching. Then I was watching again. (laughs) The matches I saw, some were okay, some were stupid. Okay, first of all, the MVP bullshit with the American titles bullshit. Okay, whatever. You know, they said watching McCullough couldn't perform because Bobby Lashley put him in that... uh, Apollo Cruz couldn't do it because Bobby Lashley hurt his arm or started whatever it was. I'm thinking he may have COVID or something. I don't know. Who knows? But he couldn't go to. He couldn't be there last night. The uh, Bailey Nikki Cross match was kind of like a shitty way to do it too. It was a good match, and then of course Bailey cheated. Uh, the match before that, uh, God, I'm trying to remember who was the match before that. Uh, I suck. Like I said, it was not one of their greatest ones, and I'm really starting to hate the non-big ones. You know, all the hype up going into like, geez, it's going to be good. Like, the Ojo for Ojo match, the Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins match, it was pretty good. But the thing was stupid. <laughs> At the end, it was really stupid. The uh, uh, Drew McRindon, Ziggler match, okay. Again, okay. The, uh, what was that match? Oh, uh, the Sasha Banks, whatever match for the belt. That in in a done draw, whatever. I don't know what that, like I said, I was in and out on that one. But the one that was really stupid that could have been really good, was kind of creepy at the beginning, was the Bray Wyatt uh, Monster of Men Braun Strowman match. The battle in the swamp. You see Braun tied up in chains, and then, you know, you know, you know know uh, whatchamacallit comes out, Bray starts coming out there talking to him, and they get all personal. And then they start fighting within the swamp. And a couple times, Bray looks like, I mean, Bray, uh, the monster looks like he wins Braun Strowman, and then Bray comes out of nowhere again. And then, you know, he's throwing him in the water, comes out of the water, tries to drown him in the water, throws him in the boat, the boat goes away, comes back, the boat is empty, Braun gets in the water looking, like, okay, hello, stupid, Mm -hmm. have you not seen any horror movies? So then, Bray comes out of the water, and they fight, they fight, they fight, and keep in mind, the entire time, Bray's Bray Wyatt. And they actually bring a viper in there, whatever, snake supposedly bites bites Braun in the neck, you know, it shows the guy, don't be afraid you remember the python or whatever it is I don't know who it was and then at one point he sees the ghost telling him the, supposed to be the girl remember Sister Abigail Yeah. come with us Braun you'll be okay come with me come with us you want to be with me and the veil was back it's Alexa Bliss because remember mm. one time it looked like Braun was having something for Alexa Bliss whenever they were doing the, yeah. the tag team things the mixed tag team things well so that happens and at the end it like Braun, Braun like, looks like Braun Bron's like looks like Bray drowned him in the water but they both disappear and you see Bray try to come up but he disappears and you see Braun climbing up the ladder, and then he gets pulled back down again. And you kind of get a glimpse, and then the water starts doing purple red bullshit. Starts going popping up, and then the fiend comes out, <laughs> <laughs> doing his thing, and it ends. So there was
0: no distinct winner or nothing. Well,
1: no, Bray won, but you don't. The fiend won, but you don't know what happened to, to Braun. Oh. You know, he supposedly drowned. He got taken over. I don't know the storyline they're going with. I mean, the storylines are, are are beyond... They're stupid. Okay? They're really stupid. Uh, the Rey Mysterio, uh, Seth Rollins thing would have been pretty cool uh, had they not gotten stupid with the eye. I think they went too far with the eye. And the whole Messiah thing is starting to get played. It's really, it's really not. Uh... You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like anything that's going on in there right now. It, it's, it's really... I watch wrestling. I watch Raw to see the wrestling matches. I like to see Andrade and them and Angel Garza and all those guys get pissed off and <laughs> Kevin Owens and all that stuff. But it, it's just like, what the hell? I feel like I'm wasting my time watching this crap. Yeah. That's how I feel.
0: The storylines are getting way too com- comical.
1: Yeah, yeah, comical, stupid. Some of them are good. Some are not good. I mean, but it's like... Come on, guys. Where's your writing at? Did your writer get COVID or some shit? Or, or what the fuck's going on? You got too many good athletes to, to do this right now, to have shitty programming. And again, I get it. I get it. There's not a lot of people around. There's nobody watching but the people from NXT. And people are getting COVID, too, whatnot. I, I get it. I really do. But some of the storylines, if they just change them up a little bit, it would be better. And I get because of who they have there, who's left, what personnel is willing to work. I mean, when the Heath Slater, Slater came thing came back to take on... Uh, when. When uh, what you going call it? Uh, Dolph Ziggler brought him back to kind of mess with uh, Drew McIntyre's head. That was good. That was emotional and touching because when Slater made the comments, you know, I got kids is real. You know this. I was there for you when you got fired. Where were you when I got fired? You know, it was it was legit. It was really powerful. There's moments on Monday Night Raw that are seventy times better than what the fucking pay per view were. Ah. Uh and that's terrible yeah so basically right now to me the biggest pay the best pay-per-views are going to be the big ones the little ones they may have something that's interesting and bring you to watch but if you're not paying for the network and you're paying full price for it you're a fucking idiot <laughs> but even yeah. now i feel like you're getting robbed for 9.99
0: yeah was it uh do you think uh what's the other
1: other wrestling group AEW. is it AEW? AEW. yeah uh they uh have some interesting storylines going over there too um uh, there's some new guys in there. I don't know. I mean, obviously, uh, Cage came over from uh, Lucha Underground to take on uh, Dean Ambrose, who's going by his real name now, uh, or John Moxley now. And uh, Moxley beat him, but then Cage jumped him at the end, tried to hurt him. And the new guy, who was a skater guy, I can't remember his name is. He's an up and rising star. Came to Moxley's rescue. Then you got Jericho running his 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 unit up against the other guys against uh, Kenny Omega and his unit. Uh, it's like all like gang wars you know we got the stable versus the uh, what was Triple H's shit called uh, Evolution you know they got the whole stables going on matter of fact uh, there was a thing talking about how they were going to do Triple H had no problem with Arn Anderson because Arn Anderson over at AEW okay and he's part of he's running he's like the manager or whatever or the advisor to Cody Rhodes the American Nightmare first of all Cody Rhodes going over there and starting this up with whatever and being the American Nightmare, best thing in the world for him. Cody Rhodes is legit now, okay? He's legitimately badass. As the American Nightmare, his persona, he's freaking all. he got an American tattoo here on his neck. His wife's there. He's really good. And so his persona's kick ass. He's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, so I'm totally into that. Uh, but they're talking about doing the Four Horsemen. Oh, really? In AEW. Ric Flair gave him the okay. Oh, okay. Because, you know, the Four Horsemen really isn't a property of the WWE. It was WCW, and even before that, was WCCW. Yeah. So, it's, so it's you know, they asked Flair if it would be okay. So, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, to see a new group of four horsemen, that would be worth a damn. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the old WWE wrestlers over there now, too, like Luke, Gal- not uh, not Luke Gallows, but uh, Luke Harper. He's over there, too. He fought Moxley and lost. So, right now, Moxley's the champion. So, Ambrose left WWE as a champion and lost here and got no run. Now, he's the champion. He's been over on to the belt over there for a while between him and Jericho. Uh, so it's in Jericho's a bad guy, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So AEW has some good story on it. Oh, the other thing, they have the Lucha Underground brothers over there fighting. They got uh, Phoenix and uh, not Pentagon Dark, but Pentagon Jr. Because uh-huh. that's what he goes there. They're brothers in real life. So they're take, they're fighting. I don't even know when that matches. But they're taking on, the not the Revival, but the guys that were in WWE. Uh, they went over there. Uh, they are before the Revival. The two, There were two guys that were there that had the belts for a while, and then they kind of got played, and they were, they kind of fell out a little bit, and then they wound up going over to AEW now. Oh, okay. They're over there now. They're making the names for themselves over there. I can't remember the name of the, the To me, they are insignificant. I never liked them, but they're over there, and I think they're the champions. So it's it's interesting. I don't know if they're in a spot yet to make a real challenge for WWE, and they had made a comment to Cody Rhodes, or I think it was Cody, or uh, I forget who else is, about trying to do something more pay-per-view-wise or more bigger stadiums or whatever or more television something, you know, like, you know, to increase the stuff kind of like WWE, his statement was, no, we don't want to try to go too fast, too quick and flame out and burn out and, you know, because we lose this and this. We have to take it slowly and do what we're doing and gain ground little by little. And eventually we'll get to this point, but we're not going to jump too fast and put ourselves in a situation where we're not going to succeed. So... You know the product we have now, people like it. And yeah, they do. It really is. I mean, we recorded on the on the DVR, and uh, it takes a little bit of use. And they they do shit a little crazy. They take it a notch above. I mean, I'm legitimately worried. I mean, I watched uh, who was oh, Kofi Kingston Biggie versus Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura for the tag team championships. The New Day lost. Okay, I was actually pleased with that. I was actually pleased how it happened. They put Kofi through two chairs. Damn through two tables from the top of the rope. Cesaro. Boom. I thought Kofi was dead. I think he may be, he may have suffered concussion. I really don't know. He yeah. laid there for a while. They, they put one rib into through two tables? They put him through the table, bro. But the funny thing was that you know how Cesaro does the spin? Shinsuke does the flying knee into his head with Cesaro spinning him, so he's giving the Shinsaka at the same time. They're a pretty good th- they're a pretty good tag team to the same level I think the bar was. That's the one match I really liked. because it, it was COVID was like they were talking shit this is what you made us do they started like they were getting vicious but the New Day wound up losing so the New Day now has been what they're eight time tag team champions so they're two away from the Dudley boys Uh, they have one more than the Usos and now Shinsuke and Cesaro's tag team champions make Cesaro two time tag champions or whatever it's crazy so that was the best match to me by far because I'm a big Cesaro guy he plays a great bad guy and it was just dude they were talking and you could hear them it was like anger like, they really played it out well. I thought they did a good job. They sold it.
0: Well, all in all, of the pay-per-view, uh,
1: what
0: do you what do you give it?
1: Nah, it was mediocre at best. Mediocre? Yeah, it was, uh, it was like not a five. A, was it was a five. Five. Maybe lower than a five. It was not great. Yeah. It was not one of the best extreme rules ever I've ever seen, which is sad. Could have been much better. Could have been better. I mean, when you think of extreme rules, man, you think of chairs, tables, ladders, and all that shit. But that's TLC. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for Extreme Rules, I was not. Rumors are, though, and here's the big rumor, and I actually I would go for this, is that he's going to wind up dropping the belt soon. Can you guess who he's going to lose it to? Somebody who's been getting a lot of push here lately, and Ric Flair has been riding his tip, and, and everybody, he's been beating the shit out of everybody, and... And He's been getting all kinds of. He's gonna wind up meeting the Big Show here pretty soon because the Big Show wants to fuck him up. But I got a feeling he's gonna get over and and fuck up the Big Show too.
0: Actually, I don't know.
1: haven't Randy Orton, the Legend Killer, the Legend Killer hurt Edge at the Pay Per View, ripped out his bicep for real. He hurt Christian. He get well, you know, KFAB kicked him in the head. He's been beating up all the Legends again. He's back to I love being the Legend Killer. Ric Flair's talking about he's Randy's at the top of his game. Shit on truth Was about to punt him if the Big Show didn't save him. And now he's messing with the Big Show. Damn. And now it's... Yeah. But rumors are, the chances are, Drew's going to drop it to Randy. And then... Which will give Randy, what, 14? 13? I forgot how many. World Championships. And then... If the COVID subsides or whatever... Brock is going to supposedly come back and get it, and he's going to end up facing McIntyre as Survivor Series or the next big big pay per view, which will then give McIntyre the big pop he deserves. Because you remember, he beat Brock at a sh- no people in the in the stands yeah. thing, so they want to give him that big pop. Yeah, Randy Orton's going to get a big big push. I thought Triple H, you know, would be the next one close to John Cena, but I think Randy Orton's going to wind up passing uh, Triple H. And maybe even Ty and John Cena, who knows down the road. Yeah. I mean, but anyway, that was my quick thing of wrestling. All
0: right, now we're going to go into the movie that we, we told you about The Outpost. This is a military movie. This, it, the synopsis of this one is uh, they had a lot of outposts in Afghanistan. Uh, basically, they had these outposts out there to help the villagers and everything. They would pay them so that we can. They can help us find the Taliban and all this. Uh, kind of that was kind of right, right? Was the outpost before? They and were, they to train them too.
1: The outpost was basically a, a, where we were trying to uh, ease tensions and kind of like because there was a bunch of outposts, but this one in particular was the worst spot ever. Yeah, whoever fucking picked this spot was a fucking idiot. You never. Ever give up the high ground? I know. Ever, you can't shoot that well an elevated an elevated target. And and well, uh, well, hold anyway, well, on, the, the premise of the movie again is yeah. is we're there, we're there to try to train soldiers, help people, uh, and build, engage local communities, and developing projects like schools and all kinds of shit like that. And at the same time, getting their help to make sure peace happens and. We weed out the Taliban type of stuff. Yeah. Again, a real cluster of a location, though.
0: Yeah. So, out of all the outposts, this is the one that the that this story it's based on true story. So everything, you know, just, just where this outpost is. It's what are the mountains? What's that mountain range that's there? The Let uh, me see if I can find
1: it for you. But
0: it's it's fucking tall. It's a it's, it's a mountain range. They put it in the valley
1: yeah so that people know was uh, COP Keaton Comp- Combat Outpost Keaton and stand in the stand, Providence um, which man
0: and it it was sitting in the valley which was at the worst spot to be at the bottom uh all you saw you just looked up and you can see like oh my god it's all you see is mountain ranges and any trees whatever you can tell where they can be shot from they're like oh my god so they they knew they were in a bad spot The stars in this one, you had Orlando Bloom, you had uh, 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 Scott Eastwood, uh, the one I forgot one that one black guy's name.
1: Oh yeah, the guy from uh, uh, from Battle L.A. Yeah,
0: Battle L.A. Uh, Also, the the guy that played Banshee in X Men: First Class. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was
1: Landry Landry Jones. Yeah. You had uh, Corey Hart Hart Hardrek. That's that's. uh the guy yeah. from uh, Battle
0: of LA, uh, yeah, uh, they were all in this one. Uh, I have to admit, uh, I'm going to bring this in. Like the way the movie starts is you have Scott Eastwood's platoon, uh, which they were all these were all real guys that they played. Yeah, Scott Eastwood's character coming in uh, via chopper into the, the location because they're, uh, I guess they're getting more people to come in, or they're just replacing the next one. Uh, Thing, but this is the first time I looked. When Scott Eastwood was coming in, I don't know if you noticed. Did this? Did you get this vibe when you saw him? He looked exactly like his dad. In this film, on the chopper, that that st- you know Clint Eastwood would just have that look, where he just sits there with his mouth kind of open a little bit, just like that. Scott Eastwood had that... I was like, did he just copy his dad? Or is that his dad?
1: No, I didn't see that. I was not too close looking at his face to see the resemblance. I was just looking at everybody and trying to gather the names of who, who, was what.
0: Yeah. I mean, I got... I was getting all the names and everything. This was just coming in. I was just like... I was all impressed by it. I was like, wow. This is a little different. Now, as you're seeing inside the story, uh, they even... Even the guy sat there walking around, and you can come, chime in anytime you want to go. Uh, when they're walking around looking, and they see how high it is, and they're they already know they're like, "This is the worst fucking location." They yeah, they
1: know. said it, immediately, But you do know you did leave off one person else was in there. Another, another son of a famous actor was in this movie. Which one? Milo Gibson. Oh yeah, Mel Gibson's son, and he was he was a captain. He was pretty badass. Too. Yeah, he was badass too. Okay, go ahead. I'll get to that in a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, um, yeah, even like right when they land, they looked up and they knew they were in the worst spot ever. And you kind of knew what was going to go, what was going to happen. You can tell what was going to happen. Uh, what, like, being that you're a prime military, what would you think as you were coming, if you were had to come into this?
1: I'd have felt the same way. I would have looked at the, the terrain, looked at the situation like, this is not good. This is a, a bad vantage point if we were ever attacked. Uh, I would be very guarded. I would be very... I mean, granted, they were always trying to stay relaxed at night to keep the morale so they wouldn't lose it. But it would always wait in the back of your head realize you almost feel like you're a dead man walking. That type of mentality. Because you really, at any time, if they really came in force... I mean, any strategist will look at this and realize, what the fuck? but you have to rely on your leaders who are you with there and you got your brothers and you know, just do what you got to do. Yeah. It's the best thing I liked about it was every time they would say, son, well, thank you for your service. They were thanking each other through the movie. And I was like, you know, just watching and I was okay. I was okay. But I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I I have not, I was fortunate, and I don't say fortunate, I was sad and kind of fortunate not to see stuff like this, Um, which to this day I regret. I have friends who didn't come back, Um, but it was meant for me not to go. It was not in my cards or my history to be there. I wasn't meant to be there for some reason. That being said, of all the men and people who went there and now in the past, Nothing but sort of mad love and respect for them, always. And to see the situation that they went into, and to see the situation how they were being talked to, and how things were, it, it made me furious. I was getting angry. Uh, I was actually kind of upset when I saw the the where they were at. Because keep in mind, even as much as I know a lot of stuff, I didn't know a lot of the stuff we don't know because a lot of stuff is never revealed or released unless you have top top secret clearance. And by that time, my secret clearance, I was already gone. So, I don't have top clearance anymore or anything else ever again. So, I wouldn't be able to see these kind of reports anyway, being that it was military intelligence. But, it, it's just kind of like pisses you off a little bit.
0: I, like I said, when they were coming in and everything they the words at the beginning, when they were talking about, when you read everything, they considered the outpost uh, like Custard's
1: yeah. camp. Yeah, that's what I said. You're a dead man walking. Custer's last day. Camp Custer. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's nowhere to protect yourself. Nowhere. 360 view, bro. From the mountains everywhere. Okay, do you remember seeing... I don't know. Anyway, the best statement I can make to you about this is you never want the low ground. The low ground pretty much is where you go to die. Yeah. I agree. You always want the high ground armies, military, squadron, groups, whatever, whoever has the high ground has a 90, 99% chance of winning the battle versus anybody that's down there. You could give me maybe 100, 200 soldiers at the top and you can have your three, 400 down at the, at the lower position and I would win. My guys would win. One, we're elevated and we would not have to show ourselves to defeat you. We could. We could outflank you. We could do whatever. You wouldn't be able to stop us. It's you know it's just it's what it is you know the whole situation is what it is Camp Custer, uh, but you know what, it was I don't know what I get it because they thought it was a great place because they were close to that one area which the Taliban thought that it was a high priority and that's why they were there, but they could have chosen a better spot.
0: Yeah. Now
1: I, I don't know what they thought. Just, I, it, it boggled my mind. I'm watching this. I'm like, and I'm listening to them talk. And keep in mind, they were trying to keep this as real. And, if, and, and I'll, I'll preface the ending credits of it. They were trying to make this as most real exactly like it went down to the exact words and how it was. They tried to keep it almost as real as possible to the words that were being said and whatnot. If you listen yeah. to the Medal of Honor winner later in that evening yeah. when you talk. Uh, this movie had me all over the place emotionally.
0: Well, like I said... No, I, I'm sorry, Rick. I, I can't... Well, think well he's trying to think, as the movie goes, I mean, like I said, they... The, the way it's going I think there was more it's not like what you think of a normal military movie where you start seeing like oh they're coming into battle all of a sudden all this action it was a lot of getting to know the soldiers in this one and you got to know how they were and how they were walking when they were walking around how they talked to each other and everything and I like that part I, I was like I'm liking this character development that you're getting to know these military guys
1: oh the shit about the guy shooting him with the guy's head and the guy whooping his ass later yeah oh that's legit that shit legit happens. You have fucking idiots, don't pay attention and do stupid shit like that, and you'll see that guy, after the, if he doesn't get hurt and he's still alive, that guy go ape shit on or, it It wouldn't have been him. I don't know if the guy doing it to him was a sergeant or not. Was it a sergeant that beat? Was it Sergeant Galileo that beat, beat the fuck out of him? Uh,
0: yeah, I think yeah. so. It would be, a, it would be an instant. you got to kind of explain the situation. NCAA, yeah. You just kind of jumped into it. Okay, my
1: bad. So basically, the, the Taliban shoots at him so often. Every, every time on a certain day after the prayer, they shoot at him. So it's a normal routine. I mean, they got a map down on the map of the days and the calendar in the, in the compound saying, hey, this happens every day. <laughs> this, oh, it must be Monday. So they're there trying to fire him, shoot at him, just to war him off and kill him here and there. So the, the sergeant, I believe, is shooting from this prone position behind a bear. And the guy comes behind him, standing above him, and he's shooting. Had the sergeant stood up, he'd have took a bullet to the head. Yeah. So he basically whooped the shit out of private because you don't shoot <laughs> like that behind somebody that way because you could have killed one of your old men in a friendly fire. And I had no problem with him whooping his ass. And as you can see, the other sergeant didn't, the other soldiers didn't, the LT didn't, the captain didn't. They thought it was deserved it was necessary. There's some things you don't learn in basic and AIT, or even in fucking permanent party, you learn in combat. And and sometimes it takes some of that shit. But I guarantee you, because of that shit, that kid was a better soldier.
0: Yeah, he wouldn't have never done that again. Mm-mm. But then, And then also you saw, like when the first one, they were running around, especially when they needed ammo. And this is coming back to the one character that was playing the Banshee, you know, Carter. Carter, he comes running, and he brought the wrong ammo, and they start arguing, and they tell him, "Run, go get the right one." By the time he brings them he runs over there, comes back, and brings ends up the gunfight's over, and all he, I get the the one that was in charge or his superior, says, "We don't argue."
1: How do you say it? we don't? We don't argue during combat. Yeah. We don't argue with each other during combat. You're not supposed to.
0: Yeah,
1: and he was being calm about it. Yeah, that was Sergeant
0: Rowe. Yeah, Eastwood's character. Oh uh, no, it was it wasn't Eastwood's oh, it was character. It was, Bloom? Like, it was no, it, was Bloom? It, it wasn't
1: Bloom. Oh no, it was, uh, it was. Okay, it was the one that's right uh, right under uh, Eastwood's character. Yeah, you no, know? yeah, yeah. He dies. Yeah,
0: but he tells him he goes, "You don't. We don't argue in combat. We don't." He's telling him, you repeating to me, and he he blew it off like, you know what you're talking about. And then he made him.
1: You know, oh, yeah, you're gonna clean up the shit now because yeah. you don't get it. You know what's funny is that guy Carter was a former Marine, then he did a bunch of the odd jobs, then he wound up in the Army. Everybody doesn't know this, but you have to understand Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force yeah, they're military, we're all different. Yeah, and what I mean by different is there's different things, different ways of command. We make jokes, everything on top of. Marines will charge first into a machine gun nest. Army will strategically try to go around it and try to. They'll charge it, but they'll try to flank. We do things different. Good example: if we want to secure a bridge, the Marine outfit at the time would go up to the edge of the bridge on this side and say it's secure. The army goes to the other side of the bridge and secures it. There's a difference there. There's a different way of thinking, too. And you see that from this guy, Carter. You can see he still has that Marine fucking mentality. Yeah. And it is until later and toward the film, when all the shit breaks loose and everything else, you see him become an army soldier. And you see him become a good soldier. Yeah. And you see the guy tell him, be good. Because no one liked his fucking ass.
0: Yeah, nobody liked him. Even when... Uh, Eastwood's character—I can't remember his name—is it starts with an R? Roe. Roe. Mm-hmm. Is that, that, all the letters says Roe.
1: No, his nickname was Bro. Roe. Sorry, Roe.
0: Yeah, Roe. Sergeant Roe talks to him, and he's all He's
1: just tells him why uh, Just likes tell him, to him like you yeah. He
0: goes, "Nobody likes you. Nobody can trust you. That's why they
1: don't like you." Romisha. Yeah, Romisha. Clint Romisha's. Isn't, that's why they called him Roe.
0: And then what's his character was interesting to me because he never called his family. He never called his wife because he didn't he his his thinking was he did not want to lie to her for calling he didn't want to say oh i'll be home later knowing that he might die in combat the next day so he didn't want to lie to her so he wanted to be truthful <laughs> but at think then again i go it's kind of hard on his wife i guess on that end but you we don't see that part because nope. of the whole because we're just seeing them at this point but, like, it's, like I said, as a character development, you got to see how you met uh, the one black guy who was working on that truck. And, <laughs> like, had the, you know, the road's getting there is like, how in the hell we get this big motherfucker in here? And and then you finally meet uh, Orlando Bloom's character, which was the, the what do you call it? He's the, the one in charge? He's the captain. The captain. In- All right, I got two and three to do.
1: All right, uh, right where you said... Okay, so you guys know this is the Battle of Camdesh, is what the Outpost is all about, uh, which we know happened on October 3rd, 2009. Okay. And, uh.
0: Uh, Well, uh, as I was talking about, uh. This is way, way beyond my time. Yeah. Uh. Orlando Blooms, him as a captain. How do you think he portrayed the captain in this one?
1: He was pretty good. He did very well. I liked, uh. He was a captain. I liked his accent. I liked the way he was. He was a good guy. He uh, knew how to get respect. He demanded respect. You could see the men respected him. He was a combat veteran. He uh, kept things light for people to make sure everybody was okay. But he made sure everything was well ran. He was a good guy. He knew how to do things. He was a very, very good leader. And he wouldn't ask anyone to do that he wouldn't do himself. Which, to me, makes a great leader. Yeah. Yeah. And for what he did And what happened to him Sucks Yeah And then Eastwood Tried to help him out too But He is a military man Orders are orders We're gonna do what we're told
0: Yeah uh, I like the, his diplomatic He was very diplomatic With
1: the locals Yeah he put it like it was He said honestly You know hey we will help you do this and this, but you must help us this. Have them do this, this, and this, and they laid them down. However, those of bitches were still backstabbing.
0: Yeah. God, they were backstabbing.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
0: But, like, as we go a little bit further I on...
1: deteriorate after he passed.
0: Yeah. Because after he... Uh, when they had to take... They, they ordered him to take that big-ass truck out of there to go somewhere else, and then the black guy complained. What's his name?
1: Uh, Sergeant Martin.
0: Sergeant Martin complained that... It was tough enough to get it in there because the roads are so goddamn small. And then East uh, Row sat there. He, Hey, I got some pool. I can probably get him to not take it. But like you said, Orlando was like, orders are orders. We got to get it out of here. And he, Arrow was like, well, who's going to drive this?
1: As you said, is a great leader. It's like, you don't get to have all the fun. <laughs> so he's driving it. And they're talking along the way. And Eastwood is out there again. I think correcting Carter if I'm correct. Was it Carter that was out well, in the front? Yeah, right. Well, they were
0: out front but they were uh look they, they found oh, they a, found a chicken. They found a dead chicken. They thought it was a bomb or something yeah, out yeah. there.
1: And at that point they turn back, that's when the truck comes up, it loses a grip because of the roads and the truck falls over and of course it kills Orlando Bloom's character.
0: Yeah. And when I saw it I was like, Oh shit and then you actually he was out of the truck but then I hated the, the don't get me wrong, you like even though it's a death scene, you don't you don't like see death or whatever they actually showed his last breath mm-hmm. in this one. And I was all like...
1: Well, you see the skull? Yeah. Can you see his head? Yeah. You know, and then, of course, they put the sign up for him and, you know, whatnot. Then they get the new captain that comes in.
0: And then they did the 21-gun 21, 21 salute, yep. salute for mm-hmm. him when he died. And you can tell how much respect he had for... How much the whole entire Oh yeah, he was, outpost uh, was... Res- he? How he was... How uh, yeah. How he was respected by the whole entire outpost.
1: Captain Benjamin D. Keaton. Yeah, he was. It was It was. Uh, it was pretty cool. So then that's when uh, they get Captain Robert Yaleskos a.k.a. Milo Gibson. Yeah. He was kind of the same way, but he was a hard ass. Yeah, he was. He had that. I mean, he, he fucking Mel Gibson's son, definitely. <laughs> and the way he told the other guys something about how, this is how you knew shit was getting bad. When they fired something there and they killed that person, they came back and brought a girl saying, you killed her with your ph- phosphorus. And even fucking, whatchamacallit, knew that they killed that girl earlier. You could tell. And so he said, well, we're going to pave this, whatever, and that's all we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And you tell them they don't do this. We're going to, you know, this is going to happen. This money. And he goes, this money's for the school, but we're going to keep it until you give us the people who did this, whatever. But he was he was hardcore. Like, yeah. shit. He looked like a badass. Yeah. But he was funny. And
0: his, the way he... He was the one that died in the. Uh, yes. Yeah, he died in almost like the almost the worst
1: way. Him and I forgot who was it. Uh, was it Faulkner? No, I don't know if it was Faulkner. I can't remember who it was walking with him. He was oh, he was a dumbass that made the joke like, yeah, you know, this is great. I could have been doing this, but I'm here with you guys. Oh, really? You'd rather be out here than being over there? Yeah, because out here, man, there's all Band of Brothers stuff, man. We're like. Close out here, where, you know, when they're walking in the, the search, yeah. he's like, yeah, you know, I call Martin a nigger. He can call me a cracker, and he don't give a shit. What the fuck you just say? I'm going to whoop <laughs> your ass. And then the captain goes, yeah, you can whoop his ass later. <laughs> Not a captain, the LT, or whatever. But it was funny. So he goes up with the captain, and the captain asks him something stupid. He goes, yeah, you like football? Yeah, I love football. Yeah, you like baseball? Yeah, they start talking, right? And they're only maybe a step away from each other. On this bridge that Eastwood and whatever already crossed over, because they said it was clear, they're in the middle of the bridge, and the, the screen falls back. I knew right then and there.
0: Yeah. I, they're fucked. I saw this.
1: I could feel it when they were going to go there. I said, they're waiting. They're waiting for someone. I, I mean, I don't know if they know, but they know. They got to know who's wearing rank or who's what. They know something. And.
0: Because, like, right away, the, the camera pan. Oh, wait a minute. Before we get to that, mm-hmm. uh, it was the scene. Uh, I think was it them, where they said that They go, what's going on over there? This is when uh, Ka- uh Roe was taking him around camp, mm-hmm. and before that, that was funny though when he was taking him around camp, and then they started firing, and the guy that was taking a shower shirt shooting his gun. Yeah, naked. naked. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: that was funny. But hey, at least you know he's straight up ready for combat.
1: Shit, <laughs> drop your gun, man. Drop your drop your gun. Pick up your rifle. Yeah,
0: uh, psh- literally.
1: No, you know you don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I know, you know I, know. The, I know. You know. the joke?
0: Yes, I know the joke. What's the joke? This is my rifle. This is my gun. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. That's that's Wait. actually legit. That's some shit that you saw in the Marines and you saw in full metal jacket. But yes, you call your rifle fucking gun in the army, you are gonna get your ass whooped by the nearest NCO. That's I when I was joking with Cameron one day and I, I mentioned guns. It's like, gun. He said gun. A rifle he <laughs> <laughs> started laughing but, oh, I'll whoop your ass
0: well <laughs> yeah there was that that was funny we totally forgot to they do have some little funny parts but it's not a lot of funny parts that was one of them I was like I, I go this man's ready for combat butt naked well you know because at night
1: the guys didn't have night vision so they felt safe yeah but shit changed yeah it was, it was daytime <laughs> Yeah, but shit changed later on. Yeah, later on. So, they get on this stupid bridge. Well, hold on, hold on. What you. I
0: was talking about was, is then, they were like, what's this motherfucker doing over here when the guy was taking
1: pictures with the phone? Oh, yeah, that's when they caught that motherfucker. That's when they knew he was taking pictures of the thing, and that's how they knew. They were infiltrated, and people were getting information on how they were stacked. Right then and there, you should have known that some shit was down. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, yeah, they should have shot that motherfucker. Yeah, up. and they then used that, him for, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: and that's when they started doing the recon, and they were going across the bridge, and as they were going across the bridge, you saw it come back. And I was all like,
1: the guy goes, so you like baseball, sir? Boom. RPG.
0: And that's what I was wondering. I was like, was there, at first I was like, was it an RPG that came in? Because, you know, it didn't doesn't show it flying in or you don't see any smoke coming in. I thought it was like maybe a mine that he might have stepped mm-hmm. on that was glued onto the, the bridge that everybody was just missing. And mm-hmm. he just happens to get it. But, I don't
1: know, I, like you said, you, saw, you probably saw it and I, I didn't don't... catch it. I don't know necessarily if it was an RPG. It might have been a, might have been a, uh, because there was a body left. Yeah. So it might have been a grenade launcher from a gun, from a rifle. And that's what it looked like. For the damage that it took, uh, killed that man and put him on fire, and it didn't kill the other guy, that's what I think it was. Yeah. And. I mean, it didn't put him on fire, but you saw him, yeah. So, you know, I thought it was an RPG at first. That's what I really thought, but if it was an RPG, the bridge should have been blown up too.
0: Yeah. And so the bridge wouldn't have blown up, it, it was just him.
1: hmm he took the brunt. That's yeah. why the other guy lived. Yeah. And the
0: other guy but, was not the same after that. Yeah, he was not totally... You saw... This is where you can see what combat or battling the death that they see, what it does to them. This is what I like about this movie. It lets us know they're risking us. And it's not only we congratulate them, but now we, this will make you understand. Yeah. and the, Well, in this case...
1: It's what I'm just trying to say. The young man who watched his captain, who within a few seconds he started to like and was started to have camaraderie, got killed in front of him. He couldn't come back from it.
0: No, he almost tried to kill himself.
1: Yeah, he was going. That right there, he was essentially. He should have been gone. The sergeant tried to keep him because he needed him and he knew he was a good soldier. Superior commander knew. We can't, can't do it. Take another great scene from the Band of Brothers movies, where the guy. The private is digging a hole With his hands In the snow During baston, He has no nails He's so terrified He's trying to dig a hole With no nails on his fingers He ripped them all off You had to get him out Fear is poison in battle It really is yeah. Yeah. But for that man He probably would have killed himself And how many more Would that affected Within the group Exactly You medevac that man out You get that man out of there And you get him to help And if he comes back He comes back If he doesn't If he's not able to come back Then he goes home
0: yeah, so there's no shame.
1: No yeah. shame at all. No, there is no shame for any man who's been in combat or seen blood or has had that situation or anything like that because the scars that it leaves on you internally are beyond damaging and beyond repairable at times. I don't give a damn what you say. Psychologist is medication this. You're only putting duct tape on it. Yeah. I know many of my friends who have killed themselves because of shit like this. So there's no shame.
0: Yeah. Then the next scene, you see him right away. You, you saw Captain Rowe disarm the gun. You saw him take the clip out. And, and out the chamber. And out the chamber. You never see that part in a lot of the other military movies, especially true military movies like this one. There's always one in the chamber. There's always <laughs> one in the chamber. This one, he actually goes, takes the clip, and then poof, knocks the one out of the chamber out. Still talks to him. He still has the gun in his hand like he wants to kill him, kill himself. The other captain comes in and, like you said, explains. The the, did, the, yeah.
1: That's it. So they LT'd him. He's out. The lieutenant, yeah. The interesting and thing about it, I think the reason the gentleman listened to Roe is because he respected Roe a yeah. lot. And he respected his leadership, and he, he was a friend. So that's why he, he stepped down. It's mm, war as hell, my friends. I've never been... I did I, not see that, but...
0: I have to admit this part. I know he saw his captain die in front of him. They had They sent him home. The new captain came in the, the chopper, they put him on the chopper, but I don't know if this was harder for him, because he had to ride the chopper with the captain. The oh,
1: yeah, that was that's probably rough, too, man. They, the didn't show,
0: they didn't show that flying out, but you have to imagine, him. he's looking at...
1: The respect that they gave the captain. Oh. Don't let him touch the ground. Yeah. They put him in, and then they both saluted him as he flew out. Yeah. <laughs> My grandfather once told me... Uh, he had some of the best NCOs with him and some of the best some of the best lieutenants he ever knew. A few lieutenants got killed, obviously, because they're the leaders of the platoons. Because some men just were too hard to replace. They were just beloved that much. Their men would have taken bullets for them. Their men would have been... A lieutenant got shot up once, and the men literally, four or five other guys literally got shot up trying to save him, even though there was no way you could save him. So, you know... Yeah. Brotherhood, man. Shit is real.
0: Yeah. Then you had the next CEO, which was the black uh the black guy I forgot his name. Oh, Martin? Martin. And man, he was he was by the book.
1: Oh not Martin. You're talking about the other captain, Captain Cop. Yeah. That guy. That guy. That guy was a fucking politician, I'm sorry. We can't fire until we see this. Yes, what he said, man. Unless we see a weapon, yeah, it makes perfectly good sense. But you know, hello, we're getting shot at. That should tell you there's fucking weapons up there. I know.
0: Even even Captain Rose looks sit there and goes,
1: "What?
0: What was coming at us?"
1: Yeah, and I understand why he got on roll like that. Said, "You talk to me that again, you're going to be do whatever." Because you got to maintain your rank. He is his severe, superior com- yeah. commander, so you still have to listen. But you're like, "What the fuck, dude?" Seriously, you keep that shit to yourself. You bitch with somebody else to your rank. You don't bitch down or you don't bitch up. Obviously, oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, what the fuck? Yeah, that guy was. He was. Uh, I like what they. You know, I was gonna call him myself. Was thinking myself, so, this guy's a fucking coward. And you know, that Carter made the statement. Yeah, because Broward the coward is what it was. Broward is his name. Yeah, Broward.
0: Yeah, because uh, Carter would go there and he would give him water and then he would just take another thing full of all the water he drank and all the piss that he
1: every other had. day every other day he because the out. captain would never leave the yeah. CP and I'm like what the hell but then when he sat down with the LT and the LT told him about him and said don't you ever let me hear you fucking say that shit again whatever and what he said this man has seen more combat blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, you know what you're absolutely fucking right I have no idea what this man went through before he got here so he's playing it smart whatever I got you yeah. But it does look that way to the normal eye. Yeah, you to the normal attention. eye. If you don't pay attention. But then when he explained it, I was all like, Okay. That okay. makes sense. But he did get relieved and I wonder if he got relieved because he was not I mean, whoever made that decision probably realized he's not the right guy for the job. Yeah.
0: Because especially the
1: something happened for him to go in and get relieved that quickly.
0: Yeah. And I then don't the, know if someone
1: complained or The whole but,
0: the whole scene the other scene diplomatically wise, with him with the with the locals. Mhm. The locals hated the damn dog.
1: Yeah. And he shot that fucking dog. Yeah. Yeah, they set the dog up. And then he yelled at his pride. we're not here to fucking run dog pound or play with dogs. But yeah, he, uh, something happened for him to get removed. They didn't tell you to move, but something went down. Because he wasn't there very long. No, he wasn't. Not at all. And if he was coming in to relieve the other captain and then help him before they got to the point they we were going to shut down the base, he wouldn't have left. Unless right. he was done, unless the orders were done. But they didn't make that seem that way. So it like like he was finished. He was going home. They wouldn't have sent him to that place if that was the case. So who knows?
0: And it was funny. Like when he was there, and when they set up the dog, they were like, "Oh, y'all not gonna be here long." Even though they knew that they were gonna be leaving in the coming up in the near future, Mm -hmm. they shouldn't have known. And that's another flag that went up, to saying, "Hey, someone's
1: leaking or." Or they heard something, or they got a spy, or they know something. Yeah. Red flags.
0: More red flags popping up at this point.
1: Now, then but like again, you said, Keep in mind, keep in mind though, Rick. If you're just a private or a corporal or a sergeant, you really don't have that much
0: yeah, you can say. Yeah, I
1: know. Especially in a godforsaken place like that with nothing else. Yeah. Who are you going to tell? And it doesn't help that a fucking idiot... That they have with him. Like, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Crying wolf all the goddamn time.
0: Exactly. Uh, well, then after he had left, they said the next captain coming in is going to be a couple of days. So the LT was in charge now. Which was, uh, what's his what was his name?
1: Uh, Andrew Bunderman. Lieutenant First Andrew Bunderman.
0: Yeah. Well, he was in charge now.
1: He was in charge of the girls.
0: <laughs> and this is where, when he's in charge and he tells everybody... Somehow they found out. Nobody says anything. He made sure that everybody at the outpost, they say that everything is usual. When you're talking to your loved ones on the phone or whatever, don't mention that you're, leaving, that you're coming home. Just like a normal day. Because that's how they probably could have got the information, by just overhearing or they're kind of... they're get the, Well, you find out later the radios pick up their shit. You yeah. know? And so, you know, he flat out told him, hey, let's do this, which I have to, you know, he, he had good leadership in front of him. Orlando Bloom, a lot of, you know, it was a good one. So it's a, he, he. I don't know how far he went in the military. Cause the, sorry.
1: No, it doesn't say.
0: It doesn't say, but, you know, you can tell he had good leadership to show him how to be a good leader. And so there goes. Uh, then here, like you said, later on, all of a sudden here you see, excuse me, they're coming, they're coming, the villagers have left and the Taliban's coming. Were you thinking the same thing? Like, is he calling wolf or is this going to be, a, being the movie, as far as it was going, and you can tell this is more the apex of it, but if you were there, would you still believe? Cause would you be just like the soldiers? Like, is he just calling, is, is he just calling wolf again?
1: I would think wolf again as well. I mean, getting close to us leaving, I would think it would be wolf, but I would be concerned. Especially with the tensions rising as they were with the villagers and everything else, how they were going down. I might have been more concerned. But again, you're just a goddamn private or a sergeant or a corporal. You really yeah. can't do much. You just got to do what you're told. Yeah. And It isn't until the guy in the, the damn freaking vehicle looks up and sees the mountains. And then yeah. sees, holy shit.
0: Yeah. He just out there and says, oh shit, they're all coming
1: down. And the mortar guys, I don't know where they were at at the time. They behind the behind the vehicle. Yeah. To make this understandable for people, the Taliban sent over 300 people. We had a strength of 79 soldiers in that camp, 42 Afghan, Afghanistans, uh, maybe a little bit more, and some other people, Laverdians. Uh, of the Americans, uh, eight were killed, 27 were wounded. Four of the Afghanistan people were killed, they killed 150 insurgents. But I think they wiped out more than that. These numbers aren't aren't all the way up correctly, but so you understand. Uh, another reason why I thought this was a big mess up. This is considered the bloodiest battle since the Battle of Wanat, which happened in July twenty eight, uh, July two thousand eight, only a year earlier, twenty miles from this place. So, yeah, you know, just to, just you know, just to say, yeah.
0: And so he sees all of them coming down. And all of a sudden, that's when everybody, uh, Captain Rowe and the other guys, they're they're asleep mm-hmm. when this is happening. And then they hear mortar fire, and they're like, "Oh, is that coming or going?" Then they realize they're coming, and all of a sudden they're yelling out, "Everybody, you know, getting their their weapons and getting." Man, they got dressed quick.
1: Yeah, they did. They got because you got to rock and roll, baby. You want to fight your undies? I mean, <laughs> so I
0: mean, some of them were still in shorts, but they put on.
1: They put on their vests and their helmet. And, you know, <laughs> man. But yeah, this is when the big battle starts and you start to see the guys die. Uh, you see them being heroic and trying to save the other ones that get shot. In the process, some of them get shot. Uh, you see guys who wouldn't be out there who were normally running, uh, what's his name, uh, the guy the uh, wanted to be the airman. You uh, wanted to fly the plane scoob or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Sosa or something scuba or something. Like yeah, it. you see him get shot in the head And you're like I mean shot yeah, he goes down you're like fuck I mean you just watch people go down left and right and you're like shit and Because and this is the thing that they got to you and again people see this movie as a movie what not People who were prior military, who may have gone through combat or maybe haven't gone through combat, will see this movie in a different light. Uh, I became a little bit more empathetic, uh, sympathetic. Excuse me for uh, watching these guys die. They did a great job at building the relationships and showing you how these Sudi soldiers were, so it made you feel for them. But me knowing that it was a, based on real events, you're watching these Americans die, and you're watching them fight. So you're watching, even though you're seeing this. As a movie, you're kind of fixated on like, this is like how it went down, kind of like it went down. This is real, you're watching almost like real footage even though it's not. And it was a little hard, to, you know, like, I mean, that's when I was sitting here like, fuck, fuck. And then the guys in the truck, said, these guys are fucked. We're going to try to get to you. And then Ro says, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. And like, fuck, Gallegos and them aren't going to make it out. Or if they do... They're going to get chopped up or some are barely going to... If they're lucky. And so I kind of started looking at the scenarios... And realizing like some of the guys... And they're like... Yeah, you're... You're uh, you're fucked. And... I went in there. You weren't in there. people directed went in there. Put yourself in the place of the guy who was there. Who's that guy. And knows he's fucked. Makes you look at things a little bit different. Yeah. So when you see Carter... Who now starts to become a, a rural army soldier? Becomes yeah. a different type of soldier.
0: This is where you see his his concern for his brotherhood and being an army, knowing
1: everything. You watch Sergeant Gallegos and the guy try. Try first of all, Sergeant Gallegos try to take Hess out. They shoot him. They knock him down. You see Hess fall to the ground. but Hess fell down on the other side of the building. You see Gallegos like "fuck," still trying to hit, and you see him go down. Yeah. And then later you see Hess crawling back. And you see Carter telling the sergeant there, He's there, I can get to him, he's only bleeding, blah blah blah. And then you see him go out there. He's gonna do I mean the sergeant telling him you, you can't go out there. But Carter's like getting sick to his stomach seeing this and he's I gotta do this. The sergeant says, I'll cover you. Let's go. So he goes out there, gets him and brings him back and what you know does a tar- tourniquet Does tourniquet out there in the middle of the fire. Yeah. So again, it's kinda like they say when they train you, you're gonna it's gonna come second nature to you that you won't even know you're doing it when you're doing it, and so you see him doing that shit. Getting back to the thing, you see him in there, but he's bleeding out. So this guy's gonna die. They don't get this guy taken care of. In the meanwhile, you see the sergeant, the lieutenant talking about how we need to abandon. The sergeant's like, "No, we need to take this back. Everything is there. Our weapons are right there. We can make this move to here. We got everything we can to take this, but we've got to shut the gate. Yeah, If we don't shut the gate; they're just gonna walk right in. Yeah,
0: that's where Roe comes in, talking with the to the to his lieutenant. That's in charge of everything. Tell him what, you know, he's like, hey, we've got to do this, trust, you know. But as for the, I guess you have intel and.
1: I think if they had tried to retreat, honestly, they wouldn't have made it. No. I don't think they would have made it. They might have gotten, maybe, but they would have gotten cut up shreds. I don't think they would have gotten out easily. Uh, There was no air support. Air support was on the way. On the way. But it was going to be late. So the best thing to do was fight and secure themselves. Well enough where they could maybe hold off for as long as they possibly could. It's like Custer, man. Yeah. It's like the Alamo, that's what they called it. Yeah. You hanker down, you hold the one spot as long as you can. The best possible spot. Where's the best possible spot? Where all the ammo is at, so you can shoot. It's not a good place to shoot an RPG at you, but you know, hey. Yeah. So they shut the gate. They closed out that where they couldn't. They couldn't flank them anymore.
0: Oh, but you, uh, there was that one spot before uh, where Captain Rowe and his guys. We're trying to get back to I guess the barracks Yeah. which there was a lot of other fighters in there that wasn't out there yet. I don't know if they were waiting for orders or if they were just hunkering down at the moment. I couldn't I, I didn't understand that part the right. Squad there. there was another
1: squad in there. I don't know what I don't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah,
0: I didn't know what they were doing either. That's so why I was wondering. I was like I didn't know.
1: Oh, uh, no, you know what? They probably went back and probably recovering re- group waiting mm-hmm. for their orders to whatever. Oh. That's when when they went and asked volunteers. Everybody said we're all in.
0: Yeah. Except for one. But yeah. But I think he was hurt.
1: He might have been hurt or he might have been able to go. It wasn't a coward thing. I no. think he was legitimately injured. Yeah. And they knew. They, and he goes, I got his rifle. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the part where you see when when they start looking at some of the guys coming, the Taliban people walking in and they're just walking in. You
1: know, they think they won already. They just unloaded on them. It's like, yeah, yeah you pieces of crap. Yeah, because they, they thought they, they, the fire and everything was because they thought they took it. I mean, you look at the way the base was set up and you look in the aerial photos and everything and how things were done. It would look like you had it, but again, when clearing buildings, bro, you, you clear out the buildings. <laughs> you don't go past a building without clearing it and leaving yourself to be shot in the back or the side. So these guys were clearing out. I mean, that's the thing about the the insurgents; they're not very military minded. Yeah, um, and then
0: and then you saw how every time they brought in the the medics, how fast they were trying to fix next, fix. Next. They knew who was going to die. They knew who wasn't going to die right away. There's like And they knew they were trying to bring some back, but they know they probably couldn't. Uh, Then there was that one sniper, and the one guy that had the tank that had the armor behind him was looking for the sniper. He's like, hey, there's a sniper behind me. Uh, Yeah, I can't see him. That's where Roe took him out. Yeah, that's where Roe sat there, and he grabs a sniper rifle, Mm -hmm. and the sniper didn't want to let it go. And he's looking at him, give me the damn rifle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, lays down, sees him, (laughs) takes him out. Good shot. One shot, one kill. Yeah.
0: And they started conserving their ammo at the time because they couldn't get ammo to them. So you started seeing them, all right, shoot. And that's when you started leaning. I guess this is where I'm saying your military training comes in on how accurate they start taking out people.
1: Yeah, you have to, you can't no longer go in fully automatic. Yeah. You're going semi-automatic. You're basically spotting and shooting, spotting and shooting. And a lot of people get killed that way. Yeah. But, you know, they had to concern and I was saying the wrong way, i was just I say squatter, a mental tune. What the hell's I think forgive me. But yeah, it was uh <laughs>
0: Uh but then that you know, you see where they get the like you said, it gets all the guys, whatever, and now they start heading to get to the front. They can't get to the uh that was it? They did get to the the mortars. The which was the arm, the The bullets. They got to the gate, and then he sits there and looks up, and all of a sudden he's like, There's too many. But he knows he can't retreat. He says, Take as many as you can.
1: So, yeah, so he shoots, and they shoot, and then all of a sudden it's a big big explosion. He's like, He looks down at his gun, and that's when you see the Apaches lighting shit up. And I'm like, Yeah, about fucking time, air support. But, uh, oh, air support's a hell of a thing, ain't it?
0: Yeah. And they came in and started wiping out. Then they had the bombers, close-range bombing. But hey man,
1: one thing about the American military, and if the if this coordinates done right, usually our precise. bombing is like precise. I mean, if you go back and watch some other place, some other battles, you'll see where they say, "Wow, we have to get inside their artillery because they're they're precise. They're that we have to." make that, we have to get inside them so they can't use it on us, because we're too good with it. And, yeah. When you drop big bombs, bro. Big bombs!
0: Yeah, and they were big bombs that they were dropping.
1: <laughs> they were dropping some big boys. And it gave them enough smoke and for them to retreat from the front, what was left. That's when they got Hess back.
0: Yeah. And so, as the bombing was going and the medic gets out there with the with the stretcher, they put Hesh on the stretcher, they tell and then all of a sudden you see Carter carrying and the lieutenant behind or sergeant behind him and they're running to get to the medic. And they get in there they get into the, the medical bay, the medical barracks and Carter couldn't let go of the stretcher.
1: He was determined to get Hesh back. Yeah. And they asked him, was he your friend? No, no ain't like each other but he knows what he had to do
0: yeah and this is like you say y'all see the dog tags dog tags tells everything too the right dog tags lets you know everything that's where he found out what type of blood he had doctor says i got this type of blood i need everybody with this type of blood to get over here to help try to keep him alive
1: they were like he has all of us in him sir that's when the badass captain lands with that yeah he's coming from the top of the hill yeah. That's a bad month. He came through the hills. He didn't come from the helicopter. He came over the hill. And then he's like, yeah, we see the rest of them. Finish them up. My kind of captain. Even Eastwood said, Eastwood's character said, bro, said, he's a badass. He's legit. Yeah. See, some guys had their reputation, bro.
0: Yeah, he, but, come, he come walking in. He sat there. When he came in and he saw, he goes, yeah, they're all bugging out. And he's looking. He's just standing in front of the big-ass fucking bomb crater. Just staring at it.
1: Glad they're on our side. That's what he said. Yeah. Then they get them out of there.
0: Yeah. they Because they goes, what are we going to do now? He goes, we're getting out of here. We're blowing the fuck out of this place. And that's when you see them all get taken out. And as they're going, as they're getting out, you do see the, they blow up the camp.
1: Yeah, you know they didn't leave with the ammo. They left. Uh, they left it there, right? Yeah. So those fuckers tried to come in and take it. They blew them up with them inside of it. Yeah. So if there was any Taliban trying to get to it, the, they killed them as well. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's what they, I think. If I remember correctly, that's what they said it happened when when they left. The some more Taliban came in and tried to get the supplies and stuff like that, and of course they blew up the, the base. Yeah.
0: Uh, but then that's when they were flying out. The medevac came in first and took all the the injured and the dead, and then when the guys were leaving. The captain, they sent the, They asked him if, uh, what's his name, Mace, or Maze, or the one that, he, that, yeah. that Carter was uh-huh. trying to save, if he made it, he goes, no, he didn't make it. And then you see Carter's, it, now they're out of combat, but you see the emotion on him.
1: Yeah, he looks right at Roe. And Roe could understand what he was going through, because he did everything to save him. It. It's tough, man. I mean, come on. I mean... And then, after the movies ended, and you, that's where it ends. Well,
0: it kind, it oh. ends, it ends when they come back to the camp, and then the, all the ones that survive are calling family, and that's mm-hmm. when you see Ro finally calling his wife.
1: Yeah, and you see the names,
0: and it it gives the names of everybody and what medals they won. Uh, then they show Carter talking to the psychiatrist, and he really breaks down in there. Yeah. And you see that I mean I was all like you feel the you know the, the actor did a great job to show the emotion of the of Carter
1: yeah it was uh, it was uh, that was where it really started to get to me a little bit um, and then of course you keep on watching and have the, the soldiers come on talking
0: yeah that's that's what I said I told, I told Miguel I said when you watch the movie watch it all the way to the end of the fucking credits because I
1: think one of the things that was, I don't know how this person did this. One of the soldiers
0: played himself. Yes. Actually, there were several soldiers in this movie that played themselves.
1: They wanted to bring, and this is why they, they said they wanted to bring legitimacy to the film. They wanted people to know exactly what happened and how people were lost. And that's why they were in it. So they'd make sure everything was done to the way they saw it. It's like, when they, and I'll say this again, when they tried to do remake Band of Brothers and everything, and Tom Hanks and all this book, well, they used people's books and they used people who were still alive to try to get it exactly right. Well, with this film, they tried to do the same thing, but they, had, they were lucky enough, these guys were still alive. Yeah. And so they were willing to help because they wanted, and to ask someone who's been through shit like this to, to do stuff like that is, 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 is crazy. It would be astronomically hard for any human being to do that, to relive that. But because they told them what it was for that we're trying to do, they were more than happy to do it. And that says what even kind of human beings they were to go back and recreate and relive through the crap they just went through. Yeah. And that right there was like, wow. Wow. Special breed. And then you see the real Carter, the real Rogue, you see them talking, and you're like. Hmm.
0: And then they actually started showing, they showed the actor. Uh-huh. And then they would show the yeah. The A few of them
1: looked almost exactly like the the guys.
0: Yeah, uh, the ones that died. They showed the actors that played them. They showed the real the the soldier that passed. They showed them all. They showing like that. And then I don't know when you got to the very end of the credits. They showed the entire.
1: Yeah, I saw the whole the whole group. Yeah.
0: yeah the last thing you see on the thing. is not like normal credits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They show the last thing at the end is the entire group picture of the entire outpost
1: so people know 27 37 soldiers were awarded uh army commendation medals with the V for valor 27 soldiers were awarded purple hearts through sustaining that combat three soldiers received the bronze medal 18 received the bronze medal star with the V for valor nine soldiers were awarded the silver star staff sergeant Justin Gallegos just, uh got a silver star but it was Upgraded to Distinguished Service Cross. Lieutenant Andrew Birdman, Silver Cross, was also upgraded to Distinguished Service Cross. The flight crew who flew the uh, the, the helicopters were given Distinguished Flying Crosses for close combat. One was awarded a Distinguished Flying Cross. But Probably the two things that were most important in this entire battle was one of the few first times ever two Medal of Honors were awarded to two men in the same battle. And they're both alive still. Staff Sergeant Clint Ramesha, Roe, and Staff Sergeant Ty Carter, who wasn't a sergeant at the time. By the time he got out, he was a sergeant. But he was also awarded the Medal of Honor for his courage in the battle.
0: Also a Purple Heart, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was wounded. But yeah, so, Medal of Honor, the highest honor a serviceman can receive. But I guarantee you there isn't a day in their life that they don't have harsh times dealing with that shit that went down. You saw him dealing with this... Psychiatrists.
0: Yeah, even even afterwards when they they did interview, you saw the interviews mm-hmm. at the end of the movie through yeah. the, through the credits. They
1: still said, "I need a he, moment."
0: Yeah, Carter was still taking it hard. Uh, but I have to admit, at like at the beginning of the credits, where he explained the intelligence people, it showed that the armed people flat out just said it would they own their mistake of putting that outpost there. If
1: you oh yeah, it. and they also. Uh, Took action against the commanders who didn't support them correctly.
0: Yeah, I saw the trailer for this movie. I think I sent you the trailer too. Mm-hmm. I sent it to Kyle. Kyle was like, "I was like, it looks good." I said, "I know it." I said, "It looks good for what it is." And then by by all means, the trailer showed a lot of the action. Mm-hmm. It didn't show you the character development at the beginning. Mm-mm. It didn't show the bro- the brotherhood of it had the, that everything. old
1: Eastwood thing. We're taking this camp back. Yeah, <laughs> it, it had
0: that part to kind of catch you into it. But then after I watched it, I was like. I would have liked to have seen this spot in the trailer a little bit, but I'm glad they didn't show it. So, before we give our rating okay. of this movie, I recommend any of y'all. This movie should have went to the movie theater. Yes, but being that definitely. It, but being that it was COVID, it didn't go to the movie theater. If you have a voodoo, I recommend buy the movie and watch it, or rent the movie and watch it. I bought it. It was only $14.99, uh, with tax like $15. Bucks. Uh, buy it digitally. Uh, I bought it. I own it. I like the movie. I recommend all y'all to buy it and watch it. And this will give you more, a better understanding of our military. Now being that set now, now we're going to give our a rate.
1: Why don't you give yours first?
0: If Maybe you yours. notice, if you notice, I put the stars up. see At the end of it, when you're done, it gives the stars. Uh, uh-huh. On that one, it gives it up to, I think it's five or six stars. Uh-huh. I gave it, uh, it was one star less from the, from the very beginning. Okay. Because I'm like, I was like, I don't know, is this an Oscar winning performances from a lot of these guys? I don't... I don't want to give award to an Oscar winning for based on true events. I like how they act and everything. And I liked all that. Out of our 9 to 10, I want to give it a 10. But I'm still just going to give it... I'm going to give it like an 8.5. Because I liked at that point right there. I can't... Like you said, Golden Globe and... and that is kind of hard to to do that as a movie wise but it's hard for me
1: not to i, I don't know if you get what i'm kind of i know exactly to. what you're saying if it was a documentary and it was going through this like this or whatever it would be one to have and one to know forever to watch and to have in your your chronicles of anything of history i also feel it's not a movie that would have been should have been nominated for oscars Or Golden Globes. I mean, sure, you could say Eastwood had a great performance. You could say Orlando Bloom had a good performance. You could say, uh, you know, Milo Gibson had a good performance. But they're portraying real people. Yeah. So that would be why I would feel like even if you gave them an Oscar or gave them a Golden Globe for it, it would be a tarnish on that person's actual legacy to me. I I mean, it wouldn't seem like it, but you would like, okay, you're giving him a thing for portraying someone who actually did something in real life. Yeah. And honestly these gentlemen are men of character. They probably wouldn't accept it. If they had accepted it, they'd probably give it to the family. I like you. If you're looking for a super fast-paced war action movie, this movie's not for you. If you're looking for a movie that shows you the camaraderie uh, or how not everything's always camaraderie and how trust has to be built and how it really is legitimate at times, this is a movie to watch. Because you see them teaching soldiers each other how not to be fuckups, and legitimacy does happen that way. You'll get jacked up um, because a mistake can kill somebody. Leadership is the way it is that way in some parts of the movie, and you know it's you have leaders like every one of the captains we saw in there, and the lieutenants, and your sergeants. I mean, I really do believe it. I'm gonna go off a rating, not of the Golden Globes and Oscars. I feel for what it was and how it made me feel and how I felt for when the soldiers were falling one by one and the ones were trying to save each other and what they did to try to save each other when things happened yeah I'm with you I give this almost an 8.5 to a 9 but if we want to go on our scale that we have for movies as a movie it's a 7 a 7, 7. 7.5 as a an actual flick that shows you the shit that actually goes down how it goes down it's an 88.5 that's where I stand so I respect these gentlemen for what they did heroes in my mind and heroes in my book and in my heart may God have mercy on their souls may they be resting in peace and may the ones of the families today they have peace in knowing that you know they've done something very well you know honor is a good thing to die for I believe that's me Family is another one. So, honor, family, duty, country. It is what it is. Uh, it is a great movie. I honestly believe that people in the military will be touched a little bit by this. And some will be pissed because they think the leadership gets showed a certain way or we get shined in a certain way that's not right. But happens. shit happens. Everything's not perfect, bro. There's cluster fucks left and right. Yeah. So, that being said, that was my rating. The movie was good. The acting was fine. The scenes were very well done. It, you know, I just love that it. it did take its time to build the thing. And that's why it made and it made it even more intense. It made you feel like you were actually there going through the days. Yeah. And like you said earlier, the, the the quiet thing of removing the clip and then taking the one out of the chamber, or the reloading, or the thing, they did everything they could to make this so realistic, and that's what makes it so great. So, yeah, like Rick says, I implore you to go watch this movie. And the next time you see a military man, when you tell them, thank you for your service, you tell them, I really mean that. For your sacrifices you've made, and you made your family has made for us. Because it'll mean a lot.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I, w- I always ask Miguel, oh, what's your final thought? Because he always brings a good final thought. Actually, he did a perfect final thought at this point right here. Just what he, s- he spoke his mind. and If you see his
1: emotion, what I see right now, ladies and gentlemen out there, this is very mean. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let me try to... Uplift, everybody, as we get ready. This, of course, was episode 165, and Rick was in shock when I said 165 earlier. Coming up next week, we have a tremendous guest, Steve Orlando, uh, Steve Orlando at Comics. I, he's a good friend, and I can't wait to have him on. And again, thank you to everybody for your support. Thank you for listening to myself and Rick. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you to you all who have supported my son, Braden, along the way, also on his way to college. You guys have no idea what that means to me. And when I say this, much love. God bless America, the good America, not the one we're living in right now. Uh, Better times are coming, people. I'm hoping. Yeah. So, you know, but that being said, this is your boy, Big One. And I'm Rick the Rizzo. We out. Thank you for joining us. Thinking shit through one podcast at a time.